Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome back to the Karma Comment Chameleon podcast, where we cover stories from your favorite subreddits like Malicious Compliance, Pro Revenge, and Tales from Tech Support. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash at KCC. Today, we're jumping into some malicious compliance. This story comes to us from at Zerum. Confirm work or I don't get to do it? Cool, then I don't get to do it. Let's jump right in. My fiance, 27 male, and I work for the same company. And this actually happened to him a few days ago, but thought someone might get a kick out of it. We work for a trucking company that has dedicated contract work. I found the job posting, showed it to him, and we both decided to apply for it. The job posting was listed as Home Daily. When we did the joke of a phone interview, we were told Home Daily. When we finished our initial training and spoke to the account manager, we were told Home Daily. This was all nearly four years ago. Flash forward three years, roughly a year ago, and things start falling apart. The company we work for is rather large, and the account manager has very little sway over the contracts that the company negotiates with the client. It's done by a regional manager. So during the yearly contract update in 2022, the client makes more demands and offers less pay. The district manager just wants to keep the client as a customer and agrees blindly without thorough consideration. The biggest change that matters for the story is there were new stores added to the contract to be covered by the account and two out of four of the new stores are not home daily. There were many other changes that happened, that's just the one that most directly affects the next series of events. Due to some other changes that drastically messed up the life of the office workers for the account, the account manager, who had been working for the same company for 10 plus years, quits without warning. We get a new account manager, Sarah. A few months later, one of the two supervisors, who had been with that company for 10 plus years, quits without warning. We get a new supervisor, more on him in a tick. Two months after that, the second supervisor, who had been with the company for 10 plus years, quits without warning. Are you seeing a pattern here? So now the account is left with an account manager and a supervisor who both have less than a year's experience, flailing to figure everything out. Back to the bit about home daily. About six months ago, my fiance started getting the loads that were not home daily. It took him a day and a half to complete one of the new stores. Day one, he would go up to the store. Day two, he would come back and do a super short run to conclude his shift before coming home. The first time he got the new store, he called the supervisor to ask about it. The supervisor was confused what needed clarification. 
Will I be getting home? It's a lot of miles for a single day's run. No, you'll be sleeping roughly at truck stop about four hours away from home. I thought I was home daily. Who said that? The job was posted as home daily. I was told home daily during the interview and I was told home daily by the previous account manager at training. Well, I don't know anything about that. I wasn't here for any of that. What I do know is that Sarah looked at everyone's contracts and nobody has home daily in the contract. So everyone is expected to take equal share of the new stores to make it fair. Okay, but I know there are some guys who were hired home weekends because they sleep at the operating center in their trucks and go home for four days every so often. Yeah, we have some guys who live out of state. So why aren't they doing the new stores since they don't need to go home every night? As I said, everyone is expected to take equal share to make it fair, and nobody's contract stayed home daily or weekend home time or whatever. That was never part of the deal. I have a family. I took this job thinking that I'd have time with them. I wouldn't have taken the job if I knew it wasn't in my contract that I'd be home daily. Well, you're free to get another job if you like, but without 10 days notice, you'll be blacklisted and ineligible for rehire. So are you quitting or not? My fiance angrily did the load, thinking it was going to be a once every now and then thing. Turns out they sent him twice a week bare minimum. On top of that, most of the miles for the load are back roads up and down windy mountainous roads posted at 35 miles per hour. We are paid by the miles. He drives an additional four hours for this new store for zero extra pay because the store is in the middle of nowhere with no major highways. He takes a major pay loss on top of the inconvenience of not being able to come home, sleep in his own bed, and be with his family. Then, about three months ago, the supervisor messages both my fiancé and I to say that going forward, we will be expected to confirm all loads and work or we won't get loads. We receive our work and loads 12 to 24 hours in advance, so we do have some time to confirm them, but it was never a concern before, and we already had a lot of duties to fulfill that it wasn't a priority each day to make sure we typed a message, confirm store 1124, at the end of our shifts each day. The supervisor called us both out on it and said that this was an important part of the workflow process. I asked him why it was suddenly so important. He insisted it was always important. I told him that I had never had to confirm loads each day and I have never failed to show up for work. And on the super odd occasion where I'm unable to do a load, it's because of something like a flat tire or truck breakdown that I'm waiting for repairs and I was always sure to contact the office and let them know ASAP. Load confirmations are just busy work that is unnecessary on everyone's parts. The boss insists once more it is, and please just do it. At that point, I gave up the argument. Maybe 60% of the time I remember to confirm loads, my fiancé even less. Both my fiancé and I receive angry messages on our work tablets stating that going forward, if we do not confirm a load, it will be assumed that we are not able to work the load and it will be pulled from us and we will be placed on standby, paid at 50% average day's load pay if we aren't called in. Well, over winter, most of the loads for this new store canceled because of it getting drowned in snow. Now, my fiancé is getting loads for it again. 
he got a notification that he was supposed to go to this new store on Sunday. Guess who forgot to confirm his load on Saturday? Sunday he wakes up, no load, and an angry message from the supervisor. Because of your failure to confirm your load, it has been taken off you and given to someone else who actually wants the work. You're on standby. Fiance rejoices. Tuesday, he's once more given the new store and forgets to confirm his load and wakes up to no load and an angry message that says basically the same and concludes with, call me. So my fiance calls the supervisor and the supervisor wants to know why it's so hard to confirm loads. My fiance just kind of dismisses it with a shrug and ends the call. We found out Friday after talking to some other drivers that all previously home daily drivers are now doing the same thing. Get a store they don't like. Mostly these two new stores just don't confirm. If we have to confirm to get to do the store, we just won't confirm. Jumping down to the comment section on this one, there's one from a user called Random Boomer. It says, have you actually looked at the contracts that supposedly don't say home daily? Because I'm not so sure I believe them. OP responded to this one and said, our contracts at hire were extremely short from what I remember. It was about a page and listed mostly job responsibilities. Can't remember for sure if it listed specifications on home daily. We weren't offered a copy, but could request one if needed. I didn't think much of it. First trucking job, didn't think the boss would try to mess around with my schedule so much. Now, I wish I had requested a copy. Because about two weeks ago, I got my hazmat, trying to get a new and hopefully better job, and you have to put current employer on the background check for the hazmat. The lady at the DOT office recognized my company and shook her head saying, I worked for them for seven years before hanging up my keys. I mentioned about the contract issue and she said, yep, they'll change your contract willy-nilly without telling you to suit business needs. When I started, they offered all drivers a physical copy of the contract. But my husband, who still works there, said his new coworker signed a digital copy and then have to request a paper copy. And anytime you actually want the digital copy, they email it to your work email, which no driver has access to. It made me curious enough to ask for a copy. Guess what email they can only email it to? OP, I am really glad that you're looking for another job with another company, because this one sounds shady as crap. Let this also be a lesson for anybody getting a new job that involves a contract. You need a copy of that. If they're not willing to give you a copy of that contract right off the bat, print it out for you right then and there, and hand it into your little hands, well, you need to walk away, because that company is not legit. This story comes to us from K. Gran. Not going to give me a meal benefit? I'll eat at the office then. Let's jump right in. Some backstory from a few years back. I was working on healthcare as an HTA nurse which around here is a nurse which travels around the city area doing health assessments which don't require 112 call 911, which is reserved for emergency and paramedics whom handle those cases. My job was essentially picking up the jobs which do not require immediate response and try to treat the patient either at home or, if not possible, give instruction where they can get treatment for whatever was the ailment at the time. 
It was a job to assist people so that they wouldn't come to the ER with small injuries or illnesses which can be handled in the regular healthcare center the next working day. Also, other part was to go around and treat patients which had, for example, IV treatments regularly and administer the fluid treatment, drugs, painkillers, ABs, etc. My issue was that I noticed that as we drove around large area from one patient to another, we had to stop for a lunch at some point and that we had to pay lunch from our own pocket, whatever it cost. This is common practice. For example, paramedics. They eat when they can and usually at some gas station or somewhere they currently are and have time to eat. I usually read the contracts pretty carefully, which comes from my previous career as an engineer, where I had to make foolproof contracts and avoid stepping on traps. And our healthcare union had negotiated that if your work requires X amount of traveling, you should be entitled for tax-free meal benefit. I wasn't completely sure about it, if that particular statement would apply for the job I was doing, but I decided to ask stupid questions about it and eventually forced my supervisor to contact the management to get a statement for the issue at hand. From the management, it went to the legal department and they began to delve into it and it lasted for weeks since they couldn't quite deny it outright but they eventually come to a conclusion that it couldn't be applied to the job which I had. I was a little annoyed at this, but decided not to contest it any more than that. But another statement which Union had negotiated for us was that if we have an office or station and social space where to warm up your meal, microwave, coffee maker, etc., we are entitled to have a lunch break of 30 minutes per day at the regular office where I leave every morning just normal thing, which if backed by law as well around here, lunch is holier than holy if one can say so. I mentioned earlier that our area was rather large, so if I was working on northern parts for example, it could take some two hours driving there, spend four hours with patients around that area, and then drive back to station in an eight-hour shift. So I agreed with the bosses that I dropped the issue with the meal benefit and will eat at the office instead. And they agreed on this and I got it in written email that I could do that. So not every day, but few times a week when I was assigned to some faraway area, I jumped into the car, drove there, did maybe one patient call. Then I had to hurry up back so I can begin my lunch break, then eat for 30 minutes and drive back to do another patient and drive back. That's an awful lot of driving and wasted time. Eventually, I was confronted about this and I explained that because I can't afford to eat lunch every day, I just have to eat my own cooking at the office and that as we don't have the meal benefit, I am practically forced to drive back and forth so that I can have my prescribed by law lunch break. They were dumbfounded at first, but they could not squirm out of it at all. Problem was that the common practice had been for God knows how long that paramedics and such just went along and paid their own meals, as they never knew better. They had always had possibility to go back to station to eat, and I'm quite sure that we all were entitled for that meal benefit, since it is prescribed by law and union agreements in a way, that if you can't eat in regular way at the office, you are entitled for the meal benefit instead. But no one had really contested it earlier. So they were dumbfounded and asked me not to do it in the future. But I responded to that, that are they going to get the meal benefit running for the department or not? Because if they're not going to do it, 
I am entitled to eat at the station. The discussion went on a while longer on the subject, but eventually they caved in. They arranged the meal benefit for every nurse and paramedic in the department. As they couldn't find a way out otherwise, and couldn't have us driving back and forth, and not performing our job. Jumping down to the comment section on this one, there's one from a user called Old Grey Troll. Love that name, by the way. It says, It would be a real shame if everybody found out they can do this really annoying thing required by law. Or, you could buy me lunch. Another user down in the comments actually pointed out a really good way to deal with this situation. The user's called Sandy Peterson, and they said, geez, what a bunch of idiots. Look, I own my own company, so I'm not talking completely out my butt. All they need to do is cap the meal allowance to something reasonable, like $15 per lunch. Some people will make a profit on this by taking a sack lunch. Some will eat more than $15 and pay for the excess. This basically means that every paramedic has basically gotten a $75 a week raise. If this is going to break their budget, then the company is about to go out of business anyway. Worst case is, they can limit the annual raise to raise minus $75 to make up the difference. Not that I'd do the latter. Heck, letting the troops get free meals should increase their dedication and work ethic more than making up the difference. You know, that free meal could be the difference between an employee that really enjoys working for your company and an employee that absolutely hates working there. I know back when I was working a regular job that I would have loved the company to pay for my lunch every day. But then again, I am an overweight Canadian, so don't listen to me. This story comes to us from BPD2000. Too young to do my job? Okay, let's jump right in. Back in my college days in the late 90s, I worked in my college's alumni communication center. In reality, it's a call center where college students worked to ask the low-giving alumni for money. The college had professional folk to handle the big mega donors. I, luckily, wasn't a student caller, which seemed awful. I, a sophomore, was, and this was the official job title, data entry. A quick sidebar, we also had a couple of call coaches who were seniors who would monitor the callers and give them feedback on how to do a better job at asking alumni for money. Typically, donations in the $100 to $250 range. When callers made a call, they recorded the outcome of the call on a sheet of paper. I would then collect these sheets and then go to the sole computer in the call center and record the data. Most of the results I entered would be no answer or left a message on a voice machine. Sometimes we got a donation, so I would enter that caller outcome into the computer and somewhere else, the alumni department would generate a donation envelope that was mailed to the alumnus, so the alumnus could then mail a check back to us. Now, about 10% of the donations would be by credit card. At the end of the night, after the callers left, I would spend about 30 minutes processing the credit cards through this dial-up credit card machine. I did this without issue for two months, September and October. Now enters Karen, the new boss lady over the call center. She finally notices the extra 30 minutes on my timesheet each day and asks me about it sometime in late October. I tell her that I process the credit cards after everyone leaves for the night. That's how I was trained by the previous data entry person. This upsets Karen, who says I am far too young to be handling credit card information 
makes it clear that I am to stick to my job of only entering the caller's data, period. End of story. Data entry only. No handling the money. The money is to be handled only by the grown-ups. To be perfectly clear, these were credit card numbers handwritten on a sheet of paper. Absolutely no cash money involved on my end. So, you got it, condescending Karen. I stopped processing the credit card donations. I set them in a pile at the end of the night right by the credit card machine. And with each passing night, the pile grows and grows. November ends, and this pile is now 250 pages or so thick. It also wasn't my job to ask questions like, who is processing the credit card sheets? Since the month ended and no credit cards were processed, Karen absolutely failed to hit her fundraising goals. She starts to berate the call coaches and the callers for not doing a good enough job. Karen starts spending more time in the call center, watching everyone and everything like a hawk. I continue to do exactly what I was told to do. One day, she would offer a prize, like a college hat, and then next, a long lecture about how everyone shouldn't be lazy. Over the course of December, I kept adding to the pile of unprocessed credit cards. It's a good 500 pages thick by now. Compared to the massive piles of sheets of no answers and left a message, it's not very noticeable. Naturally, someone in the alumni department has noticed that the donations coming in are down about 25% over November and December. This results in me coming back from Christmas break where I get to meet cool Chad the new boss dude over the call center. He asks if my job includes processing credit cards. I told him Karen told me not to, but I was trained to process them. In fact, I'm the only one who has been trained how to process them. He says, cool, please do process the credit cards. Cool Chad asks if there are any unprocessed credit card sheets. Oh yeah, there are. Cool Chad then asks me if I could get this done over the next couple of weeks. Oh sure, no problem. I spent several hours over a couple of Saturdays processing the credit cards. Cool Chad has the absolute best January ever in the history of the call center. The quotes are paraphrasing it has been over 25 years. Why is Cool Chad Cool Chad? In February, Cool Chad gave me a raise from 8 bucks an hour to 10 bucks an hour. Thanks, Cool Chad. Jumping down to the comment section on this one, there's one from a user called Exact Manufacturer 4. It says, love how she tells you that grown-ups should handle the money, then proceeds to never find a grown-up to handle the money, and is left wondering why donations are down. Not too bright, haha. <laughs> OP responded to this one and said, I really think she thought one of the call coaches would take over. The call coaches were this one guy who legit sold pot, and the other two were these two sorority girls. The girls were incredible talkers, but were exactly how a movie would portray a stereotypical sorority girl. So I noticed in the comments to this one that a lot of people were focused on that boss and how bad she was and didn't know what was going on and didn't find somebody else to process those credit cards. I, on the other hand, can't stop thinking about if I made a donation to this place in October and it didn't get processed on my credit card until January, I would be absolutely pissed off. I mean, people's financial situations can severely change over the course of three months. The least they could have done was called each one of those people that was going to make a donation and make sure they were still able to do it then, not just put the credit cards through 
and potentially put somebody in a really bad situation. Thank you for listening to the Karma Comment Chameleon podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash at KCC.